Welcome to the Kindred Church Podcast, where we talk about God, faith, and real life. This is Daniel Childs. I'm the host of the podcast and the pastor of Kindred Church. To learn more about how to connect with our community, check out our website at www.kindrednc.church. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're glad you've tuned in for today's episode. Now, let's talk about God. Good morning, Kindred. It is an honor to be invited to preach to you this morning. I'm Charlie Baber, the youth pastor for University United Methodist Church and Kindred. Before we go any further, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations on all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Here we are two weeks out from our Easter celebrations, delighting in the mystery of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Spring is in full effect and we can see new life everywhere we turn. If you're like me though, this means your allergies are also in full effect and with the joy and the beauty comes a lot of sneezing and headaches, am I right? But one benefit of wearing a mask during this pandemic is that I inhale a lot less pollen. And for that, I am super grateful. Well, last week, Pastor Daniel talked to us about the disciples experiencing the resurrected Christ. But poor old Thomas missed it. Thomas expressed doubt. Maybe he thought the disciples were pulling his leg. But Christ didn't shame him for his doubt. Jesus offered for Thomas to touch his wounds and see for himself that he was really risen. We learned that doubt is an important part of our faith, our our life in the faith. This week, we get a similar story in the Gospel of Luke. It is the day of the resurrection and rumors have been flying. Jesus had just appeared to two disciples on their way back home in Emmaus. And Luke says that Jesus explained to them how the scriptures pointed to his death and resurrection. But it was in the breaking of the bread that the disciples recognized him to be the risen Lord. And then they rushed back to Jerusalem to tell the other disciples. And while they were telling their story, Jesus appeared in the room. It didn't matter how many times Jesus had predicted to them that he would be raised from the dead. It didn't matter how many eyewitnesses had told them they'd seen the risen Lord. These disciples were shocked and in disbelief to see their crucified teacher standing before them, alive and well. Like the angels who terrified the shepherds at the birth of Christ, Jesus begins with, peace, peace be with you. And Luke tells us that the disciples were terrified and convinced that Jesus was a ghost. What other explanation could there be for this vision? Uh, But Jesus himself seemed a little surprised by their reaction, maybe even a little annoyed. Hadn't he told them that he would be crucified and on the third day he would rise again? Hadn't he appeared to the women at the tomb and the two disciples on the road to Emmaus? What's with this ghost nonsense? So he held out his nail-pierced hands and his feet. "It's, It's really me. Touch me and see. And the disciples' fear turned to happiness as they realized it was really him. Now, every time that I see a loved one during the pandemic, we mourn our inability to hug one another. 
And so we give air hugs, but we miss that deep connection that comes from physical touch. And when they had seen him crucified, the disciples thought they would never touch Jesus again. And here he was with outstretched arms. And that's when Jesus was like, look, y'all, I've been dead for three days. I am starving. You got any food? I love the detail with which Luke shares that they gave him some broiled fish. You know, this whole story in Luke is full of hyperlinks back to other parts of the story. As Jesus munches on his fish tacos, we're meant to remember the miracle of the loaves and fishes when Jesus miraculously fed 5,000. It's not just to convince us that Jesus wasn't a ghost. It's there to remind us that the same person who fed the multitudes is alive here and now. Even as he is being fed, he is preparing to feed the multitudes again. And this story closes out the Gospel of Luke, sort of like the Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers, or Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. The story stands directly in the center of the big picture, where Jesus has been in the book of Luke, where Jesus is going in the book of Acts. And like Mary at the birth of her son, we have treasured all these things in our hearts, and now we are being set up for part two of the journey, the part where the risen Lord reigns in power and the disciples carry on the mission. But let's not get ahead of ourselves and rush to Pentecost. Today, we stop and we stay a while with the disciples in the upper room, surprised and delighted to meet the risen Lord. As important as it was that the disciples touch and feed Jesus to see that he really was risen, what happens next is what really intrigues me the most. Jesus took time to teach them again. Now that the mystery of a crucified and risen Messiah had been revealed, Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Wouldn't you have loved to have been a fly on the wall for that conversation? But Luke scandalizes us by glossing over this important teaching. He doesn't point out any specific scripture. He doesn't give us rich details of the hours of conversation between Jesus and his disciples. He tells us the bare minimum. This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead and on the third day. And a change of heart and life for the forgiveness of sins must be preached in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. That's it. That's all we get. And it contains a lifetime worth of expanding and understanding. As Christians, we believe that Jesus Christ, crucified and risen, is the key to understanding everything else in the Bible. We can't understand those complicated stories in the Old Testament unless we look at them through the lens of Christ crucified. We can't understand the sometimes strange teachings of Paul in the New Testament unless we compare them to Christ crucified. The Bible isn't this list of rules to teach us what to think. It's a whole story that teaches us how to think. The cross of Christ brings about the forgiveness of sins, and this ushers in a change of heart and life. It's a message to be shared by the power of one's witness. 
It is good news for all, and all means all, y'all. For a long time, I believed the gospel was good news for others, but bad news for me. I was afraid to confess the truth that I am gay for fear of not being welcomed to the table. I had heard from enough people that homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching. And so I tried desperately to live this straight lifestyle. I thought I was following the gospel if I just pretended to be someone I'm not. And you know, I, I think that story may be true for a lot more people than just me. It's easy to think that you're only welcome to the table if you have your act all together. That you have the right career, the right family, the right social status, the right mental health, the right level of physical ability to belong at the table. But Jesus didn't ask for qualifications before he fed the 5,000. Jesus didn't check off any boxes before he died for you. The gospel is that Jesus loves you for who you are and that he died for you even if you never get your act together. Jesus forgives you of your sins, and sometimes he tells you that the things you thought were sins were really just society weighing down on you. I had to come to terms with the reality that it is not sinful for me to be gay. God made me this way on purpose, and God has a plan for this gay youth pastor, just like God has a plan for you. The gospel is good news for you and for me, too. But this good news is even bigger than you and me. It's good news for all of creation. I want to share Romans 8, 19 through 23 with you. It says, The whole creation waits breathless with anticipation for the revelation of God's sons and daughters. Creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice. It was the choice of the one who subjected it. That's us, y'all but in the hope that the creation itself will be set free from slavery to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of God's children. We know that the whole creation is groaning together and suffering labor pains up until now. And it's not only the creation, we ourselves, who have the Spirit as the first crop of the harvest, also groan inside as we wait to be accepted and for our bodies to be set free. The gospel is good news for creation, too, because God will restore all things through Jesus Christ. Part of the good news is that from the beginning of the human race, God created us in God's image. We were designed to be stewards or gardeners of the earth, water, and sky. We were made to partner with God to take care of creation. But sin, decay, corruption, and death entered the picture. Not just for people, but for everything, everything that God made. And Paul argues in Romans that when Christ effected salvation for humanity, he also effected salvation for the whole creation. I love the language that Paul uses of the whole creation groaning together and suffering labor pains. You know, our teenagers are growing up under the great stress of climate change, wondering what their future looks like. This eco-anxiety causes some to have this chronic fear of environmental doom. But I've been proud to meet teenagers who have decided to make a difference in light of climate change, joining groups like the Sunrise Movement to take their activism to make a real legislative difference. 
these students like the Apostle Paul or like the Lorax. Hear the groans of creation longing to be set free from decay. And they groan alongside it, giving voice and language to the pain of creation. Paul assures us that the gospel of Jesus is good news for all, even for creation. Now, we can't magically restore creation back to a pre-industrial revolution state, right? But the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ sets us free to see the change that needs to happen in the world and live into our birthright as the bearers of the image of God. Jesus is the perfect image of God, revealing to us how we are to live in this world. And Jesus did this by serving others, by eating with outcasts and sinners, by feeding the hungry, restoring sight, setting captives free. He did this by confronting all the wicked ways we have messed up the world and letting it kill him on the cross. But his resurrection reveals that there's a new way to be human, that we can join Jesus by laying down our lives in service and love, justice and mercy. We are part of a new creation and not just humans, creation is a part of the new creation. The gospel really is for all. After Jesus explained how his life fulfilled the scriptures, he said, you are witnesses of these things. Look, I'm sending to you what my father promised, but you are to stay in the city until you have been furnished with heavenly power. Of course, Jesus is talking here about the Holy Spirit. Just as the Holy Spirit came over the Virgin Mary at the start of the story, that same Spirit has raised Christ from the dead and now is coming to empower the disciples to bear Christ into the world. This is where the story is heading, with Christ in power and the disciples living as his witnesses on earth. And we're here today because they told that story. But they did more than tell the story, right? They told the story with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the story of Christ's life, death, and resurrection passed from one generation to the next, as witnesses to the faith shared that Christ is risen. At different times in the story, Christ's followers, we've gotten it right. And other times we've gotten it so wrong. Sometimes we have borne the image of God well, and other times we have let pride and fear get in the way. We have done great things to care for creation, and we have also done things to destroy it. But the Holy Spirit keeps showing up, raising us to new life, and forgiving us over and over again. Just as creation groans to be renewed, the Holy Spirit groans on our behalf when we don't know how to pray because we don't always know how to be the best witnesses. We don't always know what actions we can take in light of the huge problems the world is facing. Sometimes we do harm when we're trying to do what's right. Sometimes we do harm because we did nothing at all. But we learn from Christ to practice humility, to seek forgiveness, and to get back up and try again. This is our witness to the resurrection. There is always life after death. Today, Christ invites you to touch his hands and his feet. 
The Holy Spirit of God is alive and at work in you at this very moment, calling you to see for yourself that the gospel is good and true. Taste and see that the Lord is good and the gospel is for all. Allow the good news of Christ's death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins to wash over you. Experience God's forgiveness for you and walk in new life as a witness to that truth. Love God, love your neighbor, and care for creation. The Holy Spirit is ready to bring about God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Are you? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Kindred Church Podcast. If this episode was meaningful to you, consider sharing it with a friend who might also enjoy it. Uh, Be sure to subscribe to the podcast here and give us a rating that helps us connect with more listeners. This free resource and all of Kindred's ministries are supported by the generosity of people like you. Your giving changes lives, and it helps us to share and embody God's love. If you'd like to make a donation, you can do so on our website at www.kindrednc.church. Just select Give. You can find lots of ways to connect with our community on our website, as well as on our social media pages. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time.